0: Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, KingdomTalksMedia.com. Now, enjoy the show.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Kingdom Talks. I've got Larry McKnight here with me, and uh, we were just talking a minute ago about what we're actually going to talk about, because mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. But one of the things that I'm excited about is the potential, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, we're talking about you doing your own show yep. for Joyland and for some of the things that you do, because you're actually a fantastic teacher. And I, I love, you. I love your, your digging into the Word and finding you know the truth that's there. And so one of the things that I would just encourage our audience about is that, you know, when, when Larry's teaching, definitely want to take note and and listen. Because he's going to show you things in Scripture that, you know, in most church boxes, you're not going to find it. <laughs> you're not going to find it. Uh, but that's one of the reasons that, you know, you've called it Joyland because of the freedom yeah, that you have very here. much so. so, very much so. Uh, I don't know if you want to tell a little bit of, about your background and history to Joyland. Sure. To encourage people to...
2: Tune in because hopefully, again, we'll be looking at you yeah, know, having your own have show some shows in the be near fun. future. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, no, I would, I'd love to share. Uh, I've pastored for a really long time. Been on a long journey through uh, several different denominations. Um, got filled with the Spirit when I was a Baptist, and then that uh, opened a whole new realm and a mm-hmm. whole new door. And uh, followed after that, and, and um, ended up as an Assemblies of God pastor. I graduated from Assemblies of God Bible School, and then uh, uh, where we lived in Southern California. And at that time, the assemblies didn't duplicate churches in districts. And so I had this burden to start a church and we ended up starting an independent church. I didn't like the sense of being independent. So we began affiliate. Anyway, I ended up in the Vineyard Church when John Wembert was running it in Southern California. And oh, I pastored for yeah. about 10 years, pioneered and pastored a church in a Vineyard. And um, along that way, of course, that allowed for a lot of... Uh, exploration, a lot of thoughts. I love my Bible uh, school. It was a a little school called Icles. Now it's called Salem Bible College. Hmm. But learned to learn there, learned to appreciate the Bible, uh, learned to study it, uh, had whatever thoughts I had, you know, because you grow up and you just do your best. But all of that kind of culminated when I, uh, I've been pastoring for about 10 years and we took a missionary over to uh, Russia. We were setting up for her. And uh, I ended up tagging along for a conference while we were in that part of Eastern Europe in Nuremberg, Germany. And uh, it was a a conference on the Holy Spirit and the prophetic, that was back in 1992. And uh, I got called out at the end of that conference, on the very last day actually, by a prophet named Paul Cain. Some of you may have heard of Paul Mm Cain. So he's, I had been praying for (laughs) Paul for a long time, he had uh, become a part of the vineyard uh, by carrying a prophetic word to John Wimber about his family and his sons. And uh, the, the the unique part about that word, if I get it sort of correctly, is not the private parts because that was just shared with John. But uh, a guy named Mike Bickle called him and said, uh, I have this prophet, he has a word for you. John says, okay, what is it? And he says, well, no, he wants to deliver it to you in person. <laughs> and, uh, and so John was a little skeptical, you know, and uh, admittedly by his own words. So anyway, uh, he got on the phone with Paul and he said, well, when are you going to come? He says, well, uh, he says, well, I can tell that you're skeptical. Paul said this to uh, John Wimber, and he said, so, so that, you know, this is actually from the Lord. The day my plane lands in Southern California, there's going to be an earthquake. John goes, oh, really? <laughs> he says, wow, well, wow. When are you coming? <laughs> and uh, Paul says, well, I don't know. I'm expecting you to buy my ticket and I don't know what your schedule is. <laughs> well, sure enough. So John bought him a ticket, and the the Pasadena earthquake hit the morning wow. that Paul Kane's plane landed in John Wayne Airport. Wow. It was pretty powerful. you know. So that was his introduction to John Wimber and then the vineyard, and that brought a whole bunch of guys like Rick Joyner and John Paul Jackson and, and that whole school of the prophets that had mm-hmm. emerged in that early 90s. And for about four years, uh, the first time I heard Paul, I just, I don't know, I just uh, appreciated him. And I, I also felt for him because he seemed like a kind of a conflicted guy. He had tremendous prophetic insight and release, but um, but he was just kind of disconnected socially, you know? Yeah. So when he would uh, be at a conference, for instance, and, and I would go to the vineyard in Anaheim, I would excuse myself from the sanctuary and I would sit in either one of the overflow rooms where there was a uh, audio, or I would sit out in the hall and just pray for Paul. And I did that for about five years just wow. just praying for him during conference not every time but a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, too, too long a story to tell otherwise but then finally that culminated in uh, being in this conference in Nuremberg, Germany and Paul King called Vicky and I out Vicki's my wife and um, he, he just read a whole bunch of details of our life I mean incredible details. For and, and it just had me on the edge of my, well, standing, but I'm just really listening and conscious. Vicky was back in America. I was there with that missionary, and uh, and the, the prophecy was that God's going to put a seal on your call, and you're going to be fulfilled in a ministry you don't have to apologize for ever again. <laughs> so, to make a long story short, when that, when that first happened, come kind of too late for that. It's already too long a story. When that first <laughs> happened. Uh, I felt this sensation of oil coming over my head, and I, I got a sense of approval, like uh, mm-hmm. like sealed for approval. And then the moment that the emotion of that uh, uh, that comforting sense of approval settled on me, I knew in my knower somehow, I knew that uh, uh, my pastoral ministry was going to be sealed, put on a seal. like put uh, peaches on a, in a jar and sealed up, put on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And about nine months later, uh, both Vicki and I agreed, you know, it's time to, to honor that. And it was, we were coming out of an elder and leader meeting in our church. And uh, after just a little bit of praying and thinking, there wasn't any problem, there wasn't any doctrinal issues, there wasn't any scandal or anything like that. And just, just We just knew. And so we uh, resigned the church and turned it over to our, our uh, pastor, partner pastor. And he continued to pastor the church successfully for about 10 years. Um, and we stepped away from the ministry because of the word that God had said. And we're very careful. Although we, were, we stayed in church and... And we were always, you know, in Bible studies and doing that kind of stuff. But I just really was careful to stay away from that part of professional pastoral ministry because of what God had said. And I thought it would be, honestly, I thought it would be a couple-year hiatus. turned out to be 17 years. And then the Lord called me back. So that's the ancient history.
1: Well, and what's interesting is, and we've talked about this before, but that, uh, you know, I'd stepped out of the Adventist church. Yeah, yeah, this was a great
2: encouragement when we first start talking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just amazing how, how God puts people together, but, um, that I'd stepped out and I honestly thought, you know, I'd be stepping into some type of ministry Mm -hmm. pastoral position, you know, fairly quickly as well. And I ended up in business for 17 years before getting back into the ministry. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, you know, I've run into a number of men and women who've had that experience and then you never really like setting yourself up to for kind of a false equivalency equivalency with somebody in the Bible. But, you know, Paul went on that journey for, for 14 years or whatever yeah. it was. And sometimes it just takes time, I, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't really pretend to know all the reasons. But eventually, uh, through a series of events, the Lord made it clear he wanted me back in church. And that was about uh, 10 years ago. Our 10-year anniversary is coming up in June this year. And I uh, got back in, involved in ministry. It was mightily confirmed, which I'll tell you in another, another story. And it was very encouraging, too, but but terrifically confirmed uh, by the presence of that woman that was the missionary that I was in Germany with when I first went out. So that's a whole other story. But we got back in and uh, I can't guarantee, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'd be lying if I didn't say that there were some times that I said, Lord, what was wrong with me that I couldn't keep, you know, you couldn't keep Mm -hmm. using me during Mm -hmm. that time. But then that was silly because he was using me in business and and with my family and with friends and all that kind of stuff. So that, that image of what ministry is changed. Yeah. And that was yeah. good. That was real good. And then uh, shortly after we got the church started, I realized that the biggest transformation that I encountered was I I had the emotional integrity. Uh, I had the emotional maturity to lay what I believed on the table
1: yeah.
2: and re-examine it and let it be re-examined between me and the Lord and, and other people and various things. Right. And that really sort of defined the first part of the journey of Joyland, was uh, going along and saying, okay, so this is what I believe. Do I believe it because it's true, because I've gotten it from you, because I've studied the scripture and that's my conclusion? Or, and honestly, a number of things were like this. Do I believe it because it was handed to me in Bible college by somebody I trusted? Or it was just something that I never really challenged when somebody said this is thus and so? And so I came to understand that our lives... Consist of a number of beliefs that are related mm-hmm. to one another, sometimes systematically, sometimes just tangentially, and sometimes just because there are beliefs and they don't really have anything to do with truth or anything else. Right. So I started laying those things before the Lord. I started laying those things before our congregation, my leaders, and we began a journey. And fortunately, you know, some of the things were fine, and you get kind of affirmed by that. Yeah. Um, personally, I journal, and I've grown over the years. I've got. Thousands of pages of journals. And I've grown over the years in my confidence that the Lord responds. Now, I don't make doctrine out of what I get in a journal, mm-hmm. but what I do do uh, is um, believe it. And I, I, I take it before the Lord and I ponder it and I look for stuff in Scripture or I keep my eyes yeah. open. And I really do believe that the Holy Spirit uses that stuff to help me see the Scripture better. So, back to that original prophecy, you're going to be fulfilled in a ministry that you don't have to apologize for ever again. I think that 17 years set me up to have uh, a dialogue with God about the Scripture, about my beliefs, and about the application of those beliefs. And those aren't always the same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can believe things that we don't apply yeah, all the time, and we can <laughs> we can see something in Scripture that we don't really believe. Right. And so yeah. it's a yeah. wrestling process, and that's that's what was going on for the first several years, and still goes on today but but one of the big things uh, and the reason that Gil and I are even talking about me doing a repeated uh, kind of show, one of the big things is I've come to appreciate the value of questions because they were necessary for me to get things reorganized with God but the other thing I realized having come to appreciate questions is tied in with that first prophecy of you'll you'll be fulfilled in a ministry you don't have to apologize for I've discovered that most of us you, me, people that are watching we have questions and sometimes we ask them and get in trouble and sometimes (laughs) we don't ask them because we don't want to get in trouble and and so this idea of of a no apology kind of pursuit of faith and no apology pursuit of the scriptures is uh, is one of the fruits that came it's probably one of the most important fruit that came that 17 years out and all that God did so now I absolutely would rather leave you with a good question than I would a really great teaching that's my opinion. And it's not because I don't have opinions and not because I don't try right, to make right. them valuable, but it's never going to be yours. Mm-hmm. It'll always be mine or Gil's or your Bible study leader or my college professor. It'll never be yours until it's an answer to a question you ask. Mm-hmm. And good. so that's that's what I would probably bring to the network is uh, some studies that raise questions that mm-hmm. you've got hopefully in your heart, mind and spirit, but might not have had the environment where you could feel safe asking it or might not have had the courage to ask in the yeah. first place or might have felt guilty asking as if having a question is the same thing as having unbelief or doubt.
1: Right. And and that's the thing that I've, I, you know, we're really similar in that sense because I'm all about the conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to have conversation. I want to talk about things. I want to talk about the taboo things. You yeah. know, I'm not, af- I'm not afraid of those things. And you know, if there's any fear in me, it's more about what other people are going to think
2: because sure. they yeah. don't get it. Oh yeah, you can you can definitely get in somebody else's box. Yes, and then you it's tough. You can't. It's hard to talk your way out of that <laughs> yeah. if they got yeah. you in a
1: box. But. You know, you have a facility here that you graciously allowed us to come in and use which is catered to the idea of questions. Absolutely. Questions from online, questions from people that are seated in the audience. And I just love it because I mean last week I'm I'm I, I might be even using it more because I'll I'll kind of make a point and then I'm like, okay guys, I, I need to hear something. You guys need to make some comments yeah. or give me some questions. You know, let's, let's talk about this. And, yeah. and you know, last week was, was fantastic. We had a ton of response from online and in the, in That's the house. That's great. That's great. And I just love that you have it set up for yeah. that already.
2: Well, I like to call it, <clears> it we're trying to create a, a, a culture of questions. Now, that leads to some, some things that, that but it leads to some things we have to discuss. Like, is it possible to ask uh, dishonest questions? Yes, it is. Is it possible to ask questions that you're really just trying to set up for one answer? You're not really... Right, yeah. You're not really... It's good. It's not really an inquiry. It's a setup. Right. And so what we've learned as we've tried to build this culture, and we've been into it for a while, about four or five years, but um, we've really been into it the last two years. I mean, literally trying to uh, provoke questions. Uh, not just for the sake of the question, but for the sake of the discovery, the exploration, Learning, and the yes. owning of that answer, once it comes together. So, it's a culture you have to learn. Uh, everybody, I, I love it when somebody visits the church for the very first time, or comes online for the very first time, and has the courage, to marry whatever it is, to reach out and ask a question. Mm-hmm. And, and there's really no questions that are off the table. But again, it doesn't mean all questions are made equal. Right, know? right. Uh, and, and so I, I believe that God's gifted me in a way to process with people yeah. the questions. Well, in my I mean, philosophy. You could probably tell me that more because you've seen it in action.
1: Well, and I was just going to say that my philosophy is that we won't come to the truth until we allow the conversations. And that takes questions. Yeah. And to even question, you know, when I present a topic and I think I've got it fairly well nailed down, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. presenting it, and then someone comes up with a question that challenges, challenges it, that I would not be offended but that we would explore the answer to the question and with that we do it as a whole. We do it with the people online and the people in the audience and then you know there's people that watch the shows afterwards as well that they'll put in their mm-hmm. thoughts. So I mean, this to me is how we will come to truth, yeah. not by one person standing up and declaring something and saying, I've got all the truth, let me tell you how right, it is. Right.
2: And that's been the model that we've been under for the last few centuries. Yeah, let me tell you one of my favorite verses about this because a lot of people, um, they get nervous around questions, and uh, they do associate uh, asking questions or having questions or having doubts with unbelief and a lack of faith and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you, you mentioned that, that uh, we're not going to come to the truth with just one person speaking the truth. I would go so far as to say that even God endorses the reality of that, and he even endorses it about himself. Now, I know that's—I <laughs> know that's— Kind of weird. Let me explain. Yeah. So, so you know, Lord, Thy Word is truth. There's no question about that. Yeah. Jesus is the truth, but the God who is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament, in Isaiah says, "Come, let us reason together." Now that that speaks about a dialogue. All right. Now I can understand all kinds of ways that God would want to talk to us in dialogue. So he's going to say, hey, Gil, I've got a call on your life. Come, let's reason. I'm going to tell you it. You tell me how you feel. You know, we could probably most everybody could probably uh, come up with a. Uh, A mental scenario that allows for the legitimacy of having a dialogue back and forth with God over an idea that he invited you into Mm -hmm. But but that passage of scripture in isaiah the next thing it says is come let us reason together though your sins Be as scarlet I'll make them white as snow So in the most difficult issue in the cosmos (laughs) our rebellion against God our sin God says come let us reason together and then he says what he's going to do on his end and so I believe that no matter what the question is no matter how deep it is if if, if we can pursue it honestly if we can listen when we're not making noise when we're not talking Mm -hmm. you know we we make our point we listen again I think that God has set it up so that there's dialogue and that dialogue leads to the truth yeah. Once you once you're willing to concede that, you can see that in Jesus' life all over the place. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I and I and again, just l- I love the atmosphere here and and the way that things work. So again, you know, it's it's JoylandChurch.com. Is that the, uh, where, where's your URL?
2: Uh, JoylandChurch.com. But, but we're we're kind of branching into a new area called Joyland Life. Okay. And uh, it's it's JoylandChurch.org. Actually, I'm sorry. Okay. JoylandChurch.org uh is is one of our websites. And it's not bad, but it's not the way we want it at all. Totally. We're working on it. Uh joylandlife.com though is a site that we're developing now primarily around this interaction hmm. because it's the life of joy that we want yeah. to do. Not just to promote a church entity, but the life. I mean I, I love I love our church and I'm committed yeah. to church. I have a lot of friends who who don't do church uh, you know, once they get a revelation about God, they, and and I just still think the church has an important role to play.
1: It, I I believe that too. I know you, it's and community. It. Yeah, yeah, it's community, and that's you know we've got our KT community that you know people are joining, which is fantastic. I just love the people that are coming on mm-hmm. and the different viewpoints that are expressed. Yeah, and that's the thing is allowing the different viewpoints allows us to enter into conversation and dialogue and questions, versus closing people down who have a different viewpoint. Right. Um mm-hmm. Now at the same time. We don't, I personally don't tolerate very long someone that comes on who feels like they're the only one with the truth and they're going to straighten everybody else out. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not interested in dialogue, like you said. They're, mm-hmm. If they ask questions, they're setting things up just to try to make,
2: you know, their point.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and and don't, okay. don't get me wrong about that. Everybody does that it, sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and I'm okay with that as part of the learning process. I'm not okay with that as a permanent part of of the culture.
1: Yeah. 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 And that's what I was going to say. And so it's, it's okay, you know, if if somebody is is doing that in the beginning but open to listen, you know, mm-hmm. because again that's you know, if we shut everybody down that comes up with a question that doesn't, you know, the, where they're, they're in the old patterns, mm-hmm. which we all kind of come into this and we all have a little residual of it left, mm-hmm. that we, you know, come in with a question that's leading and setting things up. And But the fact is, when we practice the conversation and we start to enter into dialogue, that we will learn better how to not ask those leading questions that are just setting it up to prove right, our point right. but we will ask questions or we'll recognize
2: of- it and, and again one of the big principles that makes this whole question answer thing work is that our God is alive the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. lives in us yeah. Jesus lives in us the Father's with us and so questions are a part of a dialogue yeah and God is a speaking God I mean oh my gosh he, he you know uh, his word is is a very significant, and and I'm not just talking about the Bible, I am talking about the Bible, but I'm also talking about the dialogue between God, the rhema type Mm -hmm. of word. And so to to come to grips with and to believe that God wants to talk to us and to believe that he appreciates the dialogue, the questions, the wrestling, um, that's a big shift in a lot of people's lives. So as we move forward to, um, you know, for you to get,
1: started on your own show. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, your desire is to go live with the shows or not not quite sure yet what,
2: Well, I would I, I don't mind that. I love it. I yeah. love it. I can see it, uh, an advantage, I guess of both. Yeah um, I would love to collect questions from people somehow and we're exploring technology to be able to do that where people could uh, e- either call and leave a voice message. and of course you could always mm-hmm. text or, or post in a, uh, something mm-hmm. like that. We'd accumulate those questions. Uh, if it came in in a written form, we'd read them, obviously. And then uh, respond to them. And, and if it was a, a dialogue kind of situation, even recorded or in person, that's fantastic. One of the things you have to learn if you're going to get into question culture, or like we, we, we call Joyland a questionable church. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're going to deal in a questionable church, you're going to have to learn uh, two things. You're going to have to learn somehow how to say, I don't know. Oh, yeah. And be okay yeah. with it. Absolutely. And you're going to have to be able to hear I don't know and not render a judgment against the person who says it. Right. Yeah. And you know, and the thing that
1: I even press further is when someone asks me a question, and, and we get asked, Dean and I get, when we do our live shows, we yeah. get asked questions all the time. And I just have to be honest and say, number one, really, there's, there's no way for anybody this side of the veil to know for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, you may have the right answer. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. We don't know necessarily that we have the right answer on some subjects because when you start, you know, and one of the things I brought up are are there going to be pets in heaven? Mm -hmm. You know, people ask that question all the time. It's like I know I saw that cartoon movie, and it sure looks like it. (laughs) I know it's just you know, but it's a question that honestly nobody can really answer because the Bible isn't clear on it, Mm -hmm. and uh, and there's just so many questions that come out like that. I can, and so I usually will start off just by saying, you know. I don't know and honestly nobody else really does either but here's what I think. Yeah. And yeah. so but the thing is as people get downloads from around the world or the earth that are independent of one another mm-hmm. I believe that we'll be able to see testimonies and words that are downloaded that begin to stack up and line up with one another you know as long as they're independent I'm not coming from one source but mm-hmm. they're independent that we could begin to look at those things and say wow so that might you know be a a you know, the the way it is, yeah. but we would still never really know unless God shows up on this side of the veil and tells us sure. all, which sure. I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, so we have to go on our experiences and on our encounters and on our understanding of scripture, but different people are going to have different views.
2: Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a phrase in the military. I've never been in the military, but uh, and I, in some ways I regret it too, and I certainly honor the, the folks of you out there that serve, but... There's a phrase in the military about uh, it's called actionable intelligence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's kind of how I feel like what you just were it's, saying. Yeah. Uh, the Bible, the Bible says some things. I love it when people say the Bible clearly says. The Bible clearly <laughs> says a few things, but the Bible confusingly <laughs> says a few things too, <laughs> yeah. and we need to be honest yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, that that's one good source of questions. But but so the Bible does bring revelation. There's no question in my mind, and I'm I'm a firm believer. And I love, I love the scriptures and I love the revelation it brings. But then uh, people are are seeing that and interpreting that in different ways, sometimes because of their own cultural biases, but sometimes because of where they're being led by the Holy Spirit. So th- this is part of that reasoning process, I think, is, okay, I I feel like I heard the Lord say this. And this person says, I feel like I heard the Lord say this. Uh those might be on opposite sides of the issue, mm-hmm. but they also might be people seeing a three-dimensional truth from two different sides, mm-hmm. and and I think that I think there's a lot of that in Scripture, and you'll never you'll never get the synergy between those two points of view. Unless you give it time in a conversation, or you yeah. give it time in prayer, or you give yeah. it time in dialogue with the Lord.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is is that again that conversation, being willing to have the conversation and not feel like you have to win the argument. Right. That's right. A, that's a big one for a lot of people. There, you know, like Nancy Cohen says, that, you know, the last right to be given up is the right to, right to be right, and we have to be willing to lay that right down in yeah. order to have conversation and get to truth. Yeah. Because uh, again, those people that can argue really well. They may be wrong. They may be wrong, mm-hmm. but they can argue really
2: well. Or get this: they may be right, and just the the dynamic that is created, the negative dynamic that is created by by trying to win an argument, yeah. Yeah. prevents the person who needs it the most from embracing the truth that you can share. Yeah. So there's definitely a we component and a civil yeah. component. Now, does that mean that everything is decided by a group? No, no. Because I like to keep in mind that God isn't shaped. In his essence and existence, by our opinion about him. Our opinions are shaped toward who he really is. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a discovery process. So now you would hit me as someone uh,
1: that'd be a little bit more, not that you are this way, but that you could be this way if you wanted to, to be the apologetics person that would come out and share some of the things. Um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, Restoration of all things. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a big topic. Confer- yeah, know, very con- uh, confrontational in some cases. Um, really, <laughs> and, and people get really bent out of shape, you know, when you start talking about it. But most of what's going on right now that I've seen mm-hmm. is a lot of sharing concepts and and so forth of just a, as if we're moving forward. I don't really see too many people dealing with the verses right. that people use to oppose it. And that's, you know, would be the apologetics Or supportive, for that matter. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, you know... I'm I, I, looking at the time. Okay. Of, How are we doing? We're doing fine. Okay. <laughs> the numbers are small, so I'm going to have to do gotcha. a couple of dives into the camera. T- <laughs> we'll get a, get a big magnifier. Right. Right. Uh,
2: when yeah. I was younger, apologetics was sort of the goal of Bible training. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the goal of being a leader. I mean, that's sort of what separated you as a leader from a non-leader, yeah. is yeah. that you could... Uh, you could articulate and f- defend the faith,
1: and bury somebody with your yeah. knowledge.
2: Yeah, uh, so I loved it. One, I, I oh, loved I did. It. I did too. I did too. One of the things, though, that that uh, was sort of died by dormancy in that 17-year period is my need to, to get emotional Same support here. out of that. Yeah, and so now, so so what took its place? You know. Uh, Just a raw apologetics thing, this is an interesting question, I've not thought about it in this kind of detail in a little while. Mm -hmm. To me, the energy that drives apologetics in the sense you were talking about it is that you already have an answer and you want to defend and enforce that answer or assert that answer. Yeah, yeah. The the thing that sounds like the exact same thing, which is teaching your heart out, hoping to Mm -hmm. be correct. Uh, You know getting in dialogue with other other people and peers and giving people the thing that that sounds the same But isn't apologetics in that sense is the thing that keeps uh, an open end To to the truth and to what you think so this is what I think Or I I say something to our people a lot of times I say, you know I don't know what this means talking about a particular passage of scripture or whatever. I don't know what this means But it means something Let's find out. What do you think it means? Back and forth like that. Now, in saying that, I'm not saying there aren't truths that we can arrive at, because there are. Right. And I'm not saying there aren't camps of truth. But I don't strive to distill those into a, a doctrinal system or a theological system. I, I prefer not to operate from a label to coercion. Right. I prefer right. to, if I find myself in a, in a camp or a company, yeah. well, okay, I'll, I'll embrace the label, but I don't start there.
0: Hey there, thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love and oneness that we have yet to walk in so if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what father is doing now this course is for you sign up today at kingdomtalksmedia.com under the courses tab now back to the show
1: right right and i guess for me when i think apologetics in this realm is that um, there are a lot of people that are coming up with legitimate questions and concerns of scriptures that they have, you know, shared among other people and um, that they haven't been able to get answers to. I was in that camp quite a while mm-hmm. where there were scriptures of like, but what about this and what about this? Mm-hmm. And all I needed were answers to those so that I could shut the book on that for, you know, and that's not a, I scratch that term because I don't ever shut the book on anything just because I, we never know hundred percent if we're hundred percent right. Sure, sure. So, but, but I could, I could get past it then. And move on to, okay, the next verse. And and as I put more of those to rest, it allowed me to open up to the fullness of the restoration of all things. And, and when I say fullness, it's, we're all walking into a greater level of the fullness. We're not there yet. Yeah, but, we're looking through a, yeah, it. Yeah.
2: We're still looking through a glass darkly.
1: Exactly, exactly. But it allowed me to at least make that shift to where before I couldn't make that shift. I was stuck mm-hmm. on those. And that's where these other people are, you know, that many of them are asking legitimate questions yeah. about why, you know, what do you do with this verse? They want to believe, mm-hmm. but they're stuck. And, and and it's so, it's something that is needed mm-hmm. to where we can come up. And, and the reason I said, I see you as that type of person is because you do uh, dig into the scripture yeah.
2: very well. I believe the scripture is, um, is a rich, key. I believe in the inspiration of scripture. Uh, I believe it's a rich key to the revelation of who God is and who Jesus is. And I think there are many, many things that for all practical purposes, we would not even have the capacity to think we needed to know until the scripture provoked the hunger to know that. Yeah. So I, I really do feel it's kind of a dangerous tendency in modern Christianity, especially in the West, to To toss big chunks of the scripture sideways. The Old Testament, doesn't matter mm-hmm. what. And, and plus, here's the thing I want to convince people of. There's no need. There's no need to, to be afraid of the scripture. The biggest key, just if I could give you one piece of advice take away from our intro thing today, if you have trouble with one of those kinds of scriptures, just start reading it slowly and ask the Holy Spirit what what bias am I bringing to this that's blinding me to something yeah. that will make this make sense? And so one of the confirmations to me that, that that I'm learning something from the Lord is not just that I get a real clear uh, opinion about this one passage of scripture, but all of a sudden I see the truth of this thing that's being revealed to me connected with dozens of other scriptures. Right, and that's a, right, such a right. common occurrence. And I, I call it seeing the fingerprints of God. Yeah, in the yeah. scripture on those topics. So I love that, and and I would just encourage everybody: don't give into the temptation to think that the scriptures are relevant, because I don't believe it is.
1: No, no, and and uh, the thing is, when we've been taught by someone else, mm-hmm. you know, whatever denomination or teacher, to look at things one way, and it really, you know, at that time, really means something to us for whatever reason. Um, we can get locked into that. I mean, yeah. I was so locked into my doctrinal beliefs sure, as a Seventh-day sure. Adventist that um, I literally, and I don't tell too many people this, but now I'm going to tell everybody, I guess. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I hardly read my Bible for five years after leaving the Adventist church because every time I picked it up, all I could see were the, the same doctrinal things. I couldn't get outside right, of that box. Right. And after about five years, I was finally, I'd forgotten enough. <laughs> I'd forgotten enough that I was able to go back and start reading it yeah. afresh and new. And so that that was helpful. But when people have their mindsets already wrapped around something, it can be really difficult to go into the Scripture and begin to see something different. Mm-hmm. So for me, even the restoration of all things, um, it was a nine-month process because I heard Mike Parsons talking about it. I heard Nancy Cohen talking about it. And honestly, when they first when I first heard it, I was like... No way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going there. But something began to rise up in my spirit that resonated with it. So I did, I, I did go back and start relooking again at the Scriptures. And it is amazing. So again, still looking at the positive side of it, not trying to deal with some of the negative verses. I did have to do some of that. But right, right. more so just looking at Scripture and realizing it's right there. There's so many places where it talks about God having a plan to restore yeah, yeah. everything yeah. and that he is the savior of all men, especially mm-hmm. those in Christ. You know, so it's like verses like that that we just kind of pass over because we don't have a grid for it and we're not looking for yeah. it. So it just doesn't register.
2: You know, there, there are some, there are some big, and I hesitate to call them doctrines, but that's what they are. They, I mean, in a sense, mm-hmm. when you take a belief uh, or you take a number of beliefs and you articulate them and you then put them down on paper, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, you gotta call them something, you know? So you're gonna call them doctrines. And if you associate doctrines systematically, you'll have a systematic theology. If you associate it uh, independently uh, as a denominational guide, you'll have a dogmatic theology. So th- this stuff is inevitable, but uh, it's, it's, it's important, I think, to keep in mind that it comes from the revelation of who Jesus yeah. is yeah. and the revelation he brings of who the Father is. And that the fundamental thing that the Bible is for is to invite us into and nurture a relationship with the Lord by the direct hands-on work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a book that we study uh, like we would study an archaeological artifact and the end result is that we just have a checkbox by we know what that means. And then we go to the next topic and we know what that means. And that's what creates those possibilities of confusion and conflict and stuff. But I thought, Lord, this meant this. And, and now you, you seem to be showing me that this other thing makes it <laughs> yep. mean that. Well, the only, the, the, not the only reason, but the reason that that's so possible, and it happens in almost all our lives, is, is we learn a few of these reference points, but we don't learn these. And all of a sudden the Lord says, okay, well, that is true, but if you'll walk right around here and look at me, mm-hmm. it'll be this way. And we have to allow for that. And and, and once you get to the point where you can realize, okay, my job is not to put all these truths in an Excel spreadsheet so that I have them neatly ordered and and have all the formulas right. My job is to take these truths and relate to God, build a relationship. Jesus said it very clearly in John 5 about the Pharisees. He said, you search the scripture thinking that in them you have Mm -hmm. life. And then he said, and they do. Bear witness of me or testify of me, but you are unwilling to come to me and receive life. So when I now, now, when I see a a thing that sure looks true over here, Mm -hmm. but it looks true, like if this mic were, were God. If I see a a point that's true right here and I see another point that's true over here and then one here, that isn't as confusing to me as it used to be. Because it means, wow, Lord, you're giving me another view of you. So, now what do these mean? And, and when I say the fingerprint of God in the scripture, when these start connecting, or maybe there's a reference point right up here, mm-hmm. or one right down here that connects mm-hmm. those three, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah. and then I have something to teach on for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's
1: so true. You know, when we start looking at, at just from just one viewpoint, it's, it's how we get, it's human nature, I think, yeah. for the most part, that we want to do this. Because if we can get this locked in, this one viewpoint, Mm -hmm. then we can feel like we have God understood. Mm -hmm. yeah, And that now we got our own lives under control because now we know God. And then He shifts a little bit. It's like, oh man. And that's the thing is God is shifting. He's bringing new revelation. And especially in this season that we're living in that there is so much new revelation coming, it's causing our heads to spin. Now, those who are locked into that one viewpoint, I'm sure they feel very safe and very comfortable, and but they're not seeing the beauty and in, in mm-hmm. all the different facets of God.
2: Well, you know, there is a kind of safety and comfort in that, but I also think that that's what breeds insecurity, and and then it manifests as hostility when somebody challenges things. that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, because people are afraid. You know. And, yeah. And one of the big points that you got to get to, to get beyond that, is you got to realize that you're standing with the Father. It's not based on being right about him. It's based upon being in relationship with him. Yeah. And that relationship is a very safe thing in Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's a very insecure thing if we have to be right about everything. And that insecurity right. either translates into anger, hostility, or something along those lines. And yeah. that's why it's hard to have the conversation. I appreciate you yeah. working so hard to have that. With people.
1: Well, and hopefully that... <laughs> This is, this is kind of bad, but it's it's trying to help people get used to the uncertainty. Yeah. You know, the mysteries yeah. of God. is it, It's very uncertain when we step into these new areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can be really, really challenging for people to get comfortable with the uncertainty. Yeah. But I believe that there is so much more revelation. There's so much more that God wants to do in our lives and to show us and to reveal to us in that place of uncertainty. Yeah. And it may not... My 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 experiences may not match yours, mm-hmm. and they may not they may not match anybody else's, mm-hmm. and yet if we can come to the table with love and honor and respect for one another, mm-hmm. me believing that you've got your own journey with the Father, mm-hmm. and even though you know Jesus is the only way to the Father and to eternal life, but the journey he takes you
2: on is probably going to be in fact it will be different it'll, it'll have, than journey of necessity. To me, it's a it's a byproduct of finiteness,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I, I understand finiteness is having limits. Uh, infiniteness is not having limits. Mm-hmm. So if, if these are my limits and the reference points I have are contained in here and God is this. Yeah. And then if you have a set of reference points, some of which overlap mine, but some don't, mm-hmm. then there's going to be things that are true about God. That are in your reference, your sphere of reference of finiteness, things that are true about God in my sphere of finiteness, but not in yours. So you, we're going to have to bridge that gap by communication. That's what the yeah. Di- yeah. dialogue's yeah. about. But then there are <clears throat> true things about God that are beyond the scope of our finiteness. Right. Now, here's one of the questions that I don't fully know the answer to, but it's one that I'm I'm operating on some assumptions. Can finite reference points that are true about God that are bigger than our ability to contain them. Uh, can they exist? Absolutely. Are they going to contradict in a diametrically opposed way? In other words, here God is love and here God is hate. Are they going to contradict in that way? I don't think so. Yeah, I would say Are no. they going to qualify one another? In other words, is there something that that you and I might have share in our reference points and there's a there's an additional truth about God that's outside of the realm that we can see that's going to add to these things or modify them a little bit i think so yeah contradict them probably not
1: well i i would i guess in some ways i'm thinking that yeah there could be some contradiction because if somebody in their circle of you know their sphere that they're believing in we all have wrong beliefs to some degree or another. So in that, in those areas. Yeah, I guess if
2: you include some of those reference points, it's just plain out being wrong. Yeah, that's that's true.
1: So that, you know, and then that's where we get challenged is because either by somebody or God himself revealing something to us. And and it's like the restoration of all things. You know, when that first came to me, it's like I had a different reference point that, you know, maybe I'm looking at a different side of God and I don't understand it completely. And so I'm thinking one thing, but then he reveals to me another side.
2: Well, l- let me let me see if this this is dialogue, folks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, when I talk about a reference point, that's true. Okay, that, a, that's your qualifier. I, there, I, I, I'm talking yeah, about yeah, something yeah. that's revealed. Sure. But I think what you're talking about is we also have in this sphere you're, you're, is the is the, the assumptions about that or the conclusions right, about right. that, and yeah. those are the things that we need to. Uh, you say it all the time: hold loosely.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, I, be, I I believe that that. That there's been enough confirmation in this reasoning together with God. scripture, uh, history, revelation, encounters with God that that point A one three five is a is a thing that we can count on as much as we can count on anything. Mm-hmm. Now, what I believe the, the implications of A one three five are, that's what I have to hold loosely, yeah, because because I'm then I'm adding my. Bias and finiteness to that. So anyway, that's and, a and, and we process. almost can't help
1: but do that. Yeah, no, it's it's inevitable, and that's yeah. why you
2: got to deal with one other goodwill.
1: Yeah, and so uh, for me, that holding everything loosely is so powerful because you know your explanation of the different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. If I'm holding things loosely, then and then I I have a better uh, ability to shift a little bit in order to see the other side. Exactly. Because if I'm holding on to it and it's like I know this, this is the absolute truth, well then I can't even shift to get a different perspective. Yeah. And and that really is one of the things I think that we're battling with people is that it's become part of their identity. They're holding on to it for dear life yeah. because it, they you know, you try to pull it out from underneath of them and it takes a part of them away. And that's a, a real struggle that, you know, we will have to face as we continue to bring revelation. But for me one of the biggest things is I'm looking for people who are hungry. Yeah. And that's true. until that's someone it. until someone is ready to yeah. shift, there's you could talk until you're blue in the faith face, face and you could have every piece of evidence that the world has to offer and they're not going to
2: change if right. they're not ready. That's very true. It's very true. Uh, there's a couple of people that I, I respect. Paul Young's one of them. Mm-hmm. A guy named Peter Innes is one does some teaching about Bible and scripture. And one of the phrases that he's used, and I think he even titled a book by it, is that, is that we're addicted to certainty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that is, I mean, if I were to be honest about that, I think it's true, first of all. And I think because we're addicted to certainty, we have a tendency to divide, to camp up. We have mm-hmm. a tendency to be offended when somebody challenges that, as opposed to, sort of, oh, that's interesting. I've never thought of that before. Um, that addiction to certainty, to me, seems like it came directly from usurping the right to operate out of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And so now discerning what's good and what's not, what's right and what's wrong, becomes a higher value than using this road sign or this indicator or this reference point like we've been talking yeah. about to to be drawn closer to the Father, drawn yeah. closer to God, closer to one another. Yeah, And, I, and somehow if we can... That's what I think the question culture does, is it creates a place and a culture where people can still discover without being necessarily insecure.
1: Yeah. Not to plug, but I guess I am going to plug, our immersion retreats are Mm -hmm. are exactly that, creating an atmosphere just to allow people to come, spend three days together, ask all your questions, and, and begin to apply the things that we've learned. Because so many people have been to conference after conference after conference, and they're just gorged with information, but they're not doing anything with it. And so, in these immersion retreats, we spend the time to actually do those things, and uh, it's it's beautiful. I that's love great. it because people come out in a totally different place. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah,
2: any kind of an event that that promotes that I think is a good thing. Yeah. So what do we got here?
1: I think we got about fifteen minutes. Okay. So. Um, this is good. It's been fun. <clears throat> well, so. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about where you might stand on some things. I don't know how you want to say it, but um, that might uh, intrigue them to want to come and listen to some of your teachings.
2: Okay. Uh, Well, let's see here.
1: And just share a little bit on each one because, I mean, you're so good about just bringing out, you know, things like you were sharing with me. You've been studying, you know, Uh, at what point do we become a child Mm of God? Mm -hmm. I mean, all those things are just... When did God become our father? Yeah, and you just Mm -hmm. have a unique way of of coming to those conclusions, which are there in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And uh, Anyway, go ahead.
2: Okay, Uh, well, let's start with one. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to try to get myself in trouble in just (laughs) 30-second clips. Uh, I believe that the Bible is inspired by God, but I think when you push toward a doctrine that's normally called something like inerrancy, uh you place a, a responsibility on the scriptures that is beyond what God that inspired. Yeah. So that's one that's real good. now the the flip side of that is I don't think the scripture is a private interpretation, and I do think it it speaks a message uh, and I do believe it brings revelation and that there's tons there to learn from. So uh, being flippant with it, saying it's just purely allegorical or we can interpret however we want, I don't agree with that. So that's one. Uh, I, I, I take the Bible, I, I like to use the phrase seriously. I take it really seriously. I believe that it, that it has God's fingerprints on it and there's a lot to learn there, but I don't force it to be the fourth person in the Trinity. That's good. So that's one. That's good, yeah. Um, I think the common notion, here's another one. This was actually one of the big starting points for us. Uh, I think the common notion that, that God Can't look on sin and therefore he turned away from Jesus and had some kind of distant relationship that the father did and Poured out his wrath on Jesus that whole view of atonement, which is sometimes called penal substitutionary atonement I do not believe that describes what the Bible Says happened nor what did in fact happen on the cross I believe that uh, the Father Son and Holy Spirit were that God was in Christ as it says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 Reconciling the world to himself not counting their sins against them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't believe that it was the father that uh, Inflicted that on jesus. I believe we did that. I believe our sin did that Um, Did it please the father as it says in isaiah 53 to lay on him the afflictions of us all of course It did because the father knew that that was the way we were going to be restored as sons, but that wasn't it didn't please him in the sense of him being a sadist. Yes. <laughs> you know, or yeah. out of control. Yeah. Um, another one of the, the first principles that I took our church through when we started this stuff was uh, what was the nature of the fall? Was it a law broken and therefore we need a judicial process to correct it? In other words, when God said, don't eat of the, you know, this one tree and they did, was that the first law and it got broken and now we need an attorney and punishment? Or, was it a breach of relationship, and now we need a healer? And uh, I much believe that it was the latter. I don't believe that the the, um, prohibition of eating Mm -hmm. of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a law. I believe it was a warning. And it was a warning that Adam and Eve did not heed, and as a result, they died in the intimacy of that relationship and began to live by the work of their brow. You know, it's
1: funny because it's bringing up some thoughts of what I used to teach as an evangelist in the Adventist church, Mm -hmm. Um, and it came from another mentor of mine at the time, but um, these words don't even exist, but um, that we had started out conciled Mm -hmm. with God, and then we became deconciled. And now he has reconciled. reconciled. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, we're the ones that stepped away.
2: Correct. Well, and not just stepped away. We assumed <laughs> we could a be, responsibility yeah. to navigate our lives on the basis of something we were never equipped
1: And you know, to and, do. And that is so important just to think about the fact that Father created us for a relationship. Correct. And I'm convinced of that. Absolutely. Um, and this is a, a point in case because... Of uh, The fact that, you know, under the tree of life, Father, I believe, would have given us anything and everything and all things that we had ever want. He holds no good thing from us. And had we stayed in that relationship, we would, you know, have received all that. And that the tree of knowledge of good and evil basically was a representation of, I'm going to do it on my own. Independence. Independence. Yeah. And that stepping away from the relationship, deconciling, mm-hmm. that it was our heart's desire, Adam and Eve's heart's desire to do that, mm-hmm. and that uh, the whole thing is all about reconciling us back into yeah. relationship, intimacy. And so I did a talk recently on you know dependence, independence, and interdependence, mm-hmm. and that so many people are stopping at independence because, you know, hey, I can do this. I'm mm-hmm. a mature son or maturing son, so I can just control the weather, whatever. But, you know, they, they believe that and they're operating in independence when in reality, we the, the mature point is interdependence where we are operating as one. And so I'm checking in with you, Father, mm-hmm. as Jesus did, checking in to see what's the best for the for the one, for the unity. Yeah, eulogy. I think
2: that last point is super important. I mean, if we're going to live like Jesus, the one single repeated characteristic that's revealed in scripture is I only do what I see the Father doing. I only yeah. say what I hear the Father saying. And what's interesting in John 14, Jesus goes ahead and puts a little fine point on that. He said, these words are not my own, but they're the Father's works in me or the Father working in me. So the things that God is doing is what motivated the life of Jesus. The flip side of that now is beautiful. Because when we see Jesus interacting with Zacchaeus or we see Jesus teaching the disciples or feeding the the multitude, or we see him reacting to the woman caught in adultery, we're seeing how the father feels and what the father's doing. It's beautiful. So So what are some other points? Um, I interrupted you there. Yeah, well, uh, I I know where you're going. and I'll get there a little bit. (laughs) Uh, So I, I have this sort of pet peeve that I would like my life and ministry to count towards. Eliminating on the face of the earth in the body and in, in the kingdom, and that is making doctrines about God that don't take God into account. Um, so there's a lot of those kind of doctrines, yeah. Uh, like, like a lot of the, the doctrines about the offense of God or the justice of God and the necessity. I, I love it when people, I don't love it, this is being sarcastic. I love it when people say, God has to do something, you know, he has to judge, he has mm-hmm. to punish. And they say it in the face of scriptures, like Jesus walking along on the way up to Jerusalem and going, you know, the Father judges no one. <laughs> and so that opens a can of worms, uh, because then you read Revelation, and you go, well, who's there that's doing the judging and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I love teaching about those things, and I love driving home the point that we're not done studying this until we, until we look at the Father until we look at him through Jesus, until we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us into the relationship and the truth that's a part of that relationship, so issues of judgment, issues of punishment, those all ultimately cannot be settled. And this is one thing that, that is why apologetics came in and became almost an idol in a lot of a lot of our lives yeah, at one yeah. point, is because we our truths were organized in a list instead of being embodied in a person. Right. Right. And so we were arguing for our list versus somebody else's. Uh, and, and, you know, really you weren't successful until you got everybody to believe every point on your list, yep. the exact same yep. way you did. Yep. Uh, yep. Whereas I'm, I'm a, a, a excited as I'll get out if I see somebody make a turn from their list to the person of Jesus yeah. and trust in the person of the Father and call on the person of the Holy Spirit, then I know they've got a connection with God yeah, The way God designed that connection to be. So that's a big um, one.
1: And what I love about that is that once we get people to step into the relationship
2: mm-hmm.
1: versus the doctrine, that I feel like at that point, you know, I'm, I'm there for them if they if we need. But at the same time, I feel like I can step away yeah. and that I'm confident, you know, Father's
2: got them and, and Father's got them anyway. But, yeah. Oh, he does, but yeah. That, yeah. yeah. But, he uses us. He uses yeah, us in, yeah. in the process. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, no, I, I totally, I, that's why, that, that's sort of the meat, the way you just said it behind what I said. I'd rather leave you with a good question yeah. than a very thorough answer that's mine because you will answer the questions you ask. God will answer the questions you ask. He'll work with you. Mm-hmm. And when you hear the answer to the question that you've actually asked, it'll belong to you. It'll be a part of yeah. your soul and it'll guide the way your life is. If you just take a quiz and give me the answer that I told you, then that's right. that's worth something, Great. but not much. Yeah, yeah. The, the probably the last one, just because we have a that you have that conference coming up that we're hosting here, re, uh, reconciliation of all things. My basic position on that, I'll, I'll go into more detail about as we teach. But here's the one thing that got me started and a shift from having this random set of doctrines that made up the last days, because I think a lot of those things are related. You know, what do you think about Christ's second coming? What do you think about millennium? What do you think about all that stuff? I. I give a lot of weight to scriptural declarations about God, and so, for instance, uh, in uh, Second or uh, Second Timothy, yeah, there in chapter two, I think it is. He says two four. It says, "This is pleasing to God, our Savior, who wants all men to uh, be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth." And then in Peter, Second Peter three, it, it talks about God wants men everywhere to. Um, not perish, but uh, come to repentance. Come to repentance I think, yeah. <clears throat> so when the Bible gets through my thick head and tells me the revelation scripture tells me this is a truth about God. About God's heart, about God's mind, about his purpose, his intentions. Mm-hmm. Another one is that the Father uh, has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, and in love to receive the spirit of adoption there in Ephesians. I I can't find a reason, and I don't promote anybody else finding a reason, to not agree with what God wants. So regardless of how difficult or complex issues of judgment and hell and punishment and eternity might be, I have this little secure starting point that's really helped me get through these things, and I I think it can help a lot of people. Well I don't know about all that stuff, because there is, you know, Scripture that seems to speak in several directions but I do know what God wants and I find this incredible sense of security and solidarity and purpose by using my faith to want what he wants. And that's something that I really try to help people see the value of because you don't have to have your, your faith doesn't have to have answers to every possible question out there. Your faith is, is built on seeing the revelation of this, thing you're, you're, you're believing, manifesting, you get the life from it from Jesus. Yeah. You take that next step. And so like involved in the reconciliation of things, I sit here super comfortable that it's my job to use my faith to want what God wants. And then that'll set me up to be able to hear, to see, to study the scripture, to hear the voice of the Lord, to see things in ascension that uh, help me understand that. Because again, I might need to look at it from a lot of reference points yeah. before I come yeah. to that conclusion. So that's one. That's one. That's 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 one of the other things. Okay. in there
1: because I I'm just sitting here thinking though as you're saying this that there are you know people myself included that when I was thirty years younger I was totally sold out for God but I had been taught things mm-hmm. that were not correct and so I was engaging and uh, looking at scripture through just a certain set of glasses and. Um, you know, so that that didn't really help me find a greater greater level of truth, mm-hmm. and and I'm sitting here thinking how, and I was hungry. Mm-hmm. I was hungry,
2: but yeah, me too. We gave up everything, we traveled all over the place, moved a million times. Yeah.
1: If I were to name one thing or two things, they're one of the same to me, uh, to some degree anyway. But that I still carried a lot of pride and arrogance, and I'm sure I still do now. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm not even aware of, but so much so back then that I was so wrapped up in being right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe that would be a, 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 an indicator to somebody who's out there that's listening and maybe wondering, you know, why can't they see any of this stuff that we're seeing with the restoration mm-hmm, of all mm-hmm. things? Um, well, because you know, when I think back to me then, it was because I believed something and I had to be right. Yeah, that that pride, arrogance, and having it tied up in my identity.
2: That's good, yeah.
1: So just, again, maybe as an indicator looking at those things, if you're not able to step in over to see another point of view. If if there there was
2: one shift in my thinking along those lines that opened the door for the progress, I believe I'm making progress Uh, more than anything else. It's when I came to the point where I could honestly believe and say to the Lord, I don't trust, Father, how I see this. But if you'll show me how you see it, then I don't have to fully understand it, but I can agree with it. And it's, it's that good. walking it's in good. agreement that then takes away the pride. takes away. And pride, to me, I mean, I think pride's a bad thing, don't get me wrong. But I think pride is the stepchild of fear. Oh, yeah. And fear, yeah. think about what John says <laughs> in, in uh, First John chapter 4 there. He, he says, you know, when love is perfected in us, that we're not afraid of punishment. Right, And when we are still afraid of getting it wrong, and, and by getting it wrong, we end up somehow on God's bad side, the Father's bad side, and then that's going to lead into judgment, that's going to lead into punishment, that is just a misrepresentation of who God is, and it's a lie, and it's a lie by the enemy, frankly, and it's a lie that our flesh is totally designed in its fallen state to embrace, <laughs> totally mm-hmm. but when when you can come and so that's why humility is a good thing yeah. and that's what you know I, I used to think yeah I need to battle pride with humility no I need to battle fear with humility and, that, that, and then pride will go away that's, you know, and perfect love casts out all fear. Yep. You know, all, all of those
1: verses that indicate that love is where we need to be at. And yeah. when we're in that state of love, that there will be no fear. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually an indicator I look at in my own life is even stress. Stress is a form of fear. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so. to realize that if I got a little stress going, hmm, I need to figure out where this is at and mm-hmm. get realigned with the Father because there is no stress or in Him or yeah. fear in Him. So... Where do I need to realign?
2: Right, right.
1: And, um, See,
2: that kind of self-awareness and humility is is just a, an interesting goal. Um, a little plug for why it might be worth tuning in. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I found in trying to build this question culture is that if you have the courage to wade in with a group of people or are thinking or listen to a teacher or something, wade into something that's uncomfortable for you, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's just the way it is. Yeah. But if you don't if you don't feel like you've got to defend the conclusions you've already made and you can begin to ask them, ask questions and and hear things, after a couple of encounters in that arena, all of a sudden you go, huh. And I watch it happen on people all the time in small groups and Zoom groups and stuff we do. They go, huh. So maybe, and then that's a new thought. And it doesn't, and everybody assumes that that kind of questioning is going to lead to insecurity and doubt. And it doesn't. Because most of the time, the truth that was in the middle of this thing that was wrapped in all this need to be right and certainty Mm -hmm. and everything, there's going to be some good truth in there. And you're going to relax and settle back and then be able to own that. That process that I went through about laying all my stuff out on the table, a lot of it was given back to me, but it was really mine then. It wasn't somebody else. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, we can probably go ahead and wrap this section up, but I do want to encourage everybody to um, stay tuned okay. because there will be some shows coming up. And again, I think part of what you want to do is some live broadcasts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so that absolutely. questions can come in yeah. and, and we can field those or mm-hmm. you can field those. So uh, anyway, it'll be exciting. I think it'll and, be fun. Um, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, funny. by the way. And yeah. Thank you
2: guys for considering listening.
1: Absolutely. So um, anyway, we'll uh, sign off for this time and, and I do want to encourage anybody who's watching who uh, is uh, not part of our team and not part of our, one of our partners that you can partner with us by going to KingdomTalksMedia.com and become a partner and we so appreciate those who are partnering with us because it's helping us get the word out and you know allowing us to you know eventually get more equipment sure. that we were just talking about before coming on. Yeah. Equipment that we need, um, you know, because we want to be able to take some of this on the road uh, and have it here at the studio at the same time, which we we only have one set of equipment at the moment. But anyway, it's just your partnership with us helps us. Plus, if you want to get the behind the scenes, which we'll go behind the scenes now for maybe five, ten minutes. And um, Talk about something really juicy maybe. And um, and anyway, you get the behind the scenes stuff as well where we know that the people that are engaged there are really with us and we can go a lot deeper. So um, go ahead and check that out. KingdomTalksMedia.com. You can go to the partnership button and become a partner with us. So bless you all. Yeah, bless you guys. Thank you for watching. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you. And until next time, live a blessed life Keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.